Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com. We have got yet another fantastic show lined up for everybody today. We have my co-host, the Associate Dean of DU, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Howdy. We're back from our uh, little break at Directions University. Although we kept yeah. up the radio show, didn't we? We did. This is technically the first call of the second half of 2015, isn't it? Yes, and I'm sure the whole world is on notice. I I saw that meme going around Facebook. It it all hinges on Directions University's mid-year festivities. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we have one of my favorite topics to discuss today with our guests. Networking. I'll let you do the honors, Jack. All right. We have Patty Farmer, the networking CEO. So, I mean, like, we went straight to the top for your topic. She's an award-winning and in-demand marketing professional, social media strategist, professional speaker, radio show host, and co-author of two highly acclaimed books, Make Your Connections Count and Success in High Heels. Patty is an internationally recognized marketing, branding, social media strategy expert. She shares tips and tools and resources to help entrepreneurs connect and collaborate with the context they need to increase not only their network, but also their net worth. She is a brilliant business trendsetter, and Patty utilizes strategic vision to redefine, reshape, and remake stagnant or struggling businesses into thriving, prosperous entities. I love the alliteration here. Patty, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So CEO, networking CEO, I guess you know a little bit about networking then, huh? Just a little bit. But then I live and breathe (laughs) it no matter what. So um, I think it's just one of those things that you either love it or you don't. But I think it's also one of those things you can learn. So, you know, a lot of times people say that networking is a – you're either a natural-born networker I don't really believe that's true. I think it's a skill set. It's easy to learn if you just like people. Yeah. Or you like leverage. You know, you can like exactly. leverage too. <laughs> because I, I I'm love sure leverage. I'll, I'll be saying a lot of yeah, a lot of things you're going to agree with today because <laughs> you're in the same business. We like um to to do big things with smaller efforts and not have to work so daggone hard like everybody else who thinks that uh, that all of their powers come from, all of their clients, all of their good stuff comes from the sweat of their brow and the one-to-one interactions they have on social and email and things like that, which I'm sure you have a different take on all of that than most people do. Probably, probably. But I just think <laughs> that people sometimes like to work way harder than they need to. And I also think that when people think of social media, they really think media, which is, 
you know, broadcasting, and I don't think they think of it as much as social networking, which is really when it's all about engagement, right? So I try to tell people all the time, I know the words are interchanged a lot. They really do mean the same thing, but I think if people focused and thought of it more as social networking, I think they would get more out of it and be more profitable too. Maybe people just think about it, period, too much. I mean, isn't it fascinating how long it has taken the average person who has something to say, the average person who has something to market, to sell, a coach, an author, a speaker, information product person, physical product person, how long the average person has taken to get used to the idea that the Internet is just a giant, big, visual phone. And we don't ever think about how getting on the phone, okay, I'm getting on the phone, I'm going to be a phone speaker now. We don't do that, right? We don't do that with any other media. We got used to it, and then it was just a thing you did. You picked up the phone to call someone, to connect with someone. And yet there's a lot of indication that people haven't gotten that yet on social media. They're not doing it the way that you probably teach people all the time, which is just it's a tool. Now go out there and use it, and don't be so self-aware of the fact that you're using social media with capital S-M-M, right? Exactly. And really it is about engagement. You would never call somebody on the telephone to connect and then say nothing. Just like you would never call somebody on the phone if you wanted to ask them something, you wouldn't call them on the phone at 3 o'clock in the morning because you know they're not really awake, right? So it's the same thing. It's just using it as, as a tool, like you just said, and using it as a tool effectively. Yeah. So what are you really excited about these days? What's your favorite uh What's your favorite thing in traffic and generating interest for your brand, for your business? Uh, anything exciting going on? I think for Sticks me, the most, yeah, the most exciting thing I think for me right now is working on. I'm working on a new opt-in, so I really, I really love that. And I think a lot of times, and you know, you're all about traffic, so I'm sure that uh, this is something that you get. But I think that a lot of times. One of the things that I see a lot on my radio show is that when I ask someone, oh, how would you like people to connect with you, I get this answer. They'll say, oh, you can just go to my website and all my social media um, icons are there. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a second here. This is about traffic. You use social media to drive people to your website, not your website to drive people to your social media. But I think sometimes they get it (laughs) confused, right? And so for me, I am working on some new opt-ins, and I really love it, and you know, as you know, people don't always come into your website through your home page. So I think it's really important to really be thinking of the tools and the opt-ins you use on how to really provide value for people in the appropriate way and how they're actually coming to your site. So I think that's kind of exciting right now for me. How often do you allow yourself to really sit down and enjoy the creation process, the creative process of a an opt-in and having something to opt-in for, what the message is, crafting all of that, what the page looks like. Are you one of those that might be dangerously enthralled with that at times where you work too hard on it, or do you have a good balance there? Well, to be totally honest, I am very creative, so I like to look at the big picture. I like to decide what it is that I wanted to do. I like to know what my goal is and what the results are. And once I know that, then I like to turn it over to my VA and say, make it happen. <laughs> nice. Nice. So you do have the ability to let it go 
and <laughs> not not dig into it. I have a little bit of a problem with that. I have a little bit of a. I always have. I love just sometimes getting away from the the other stuff, the consulting and the talking and all that, and the teaching and just digging into a website sometimes and and figuring out new tools for making our opt-ins or our funnels better or things like that. So I have to fight it a little bit. But you sound very well balanced, which I Only in that. To be. <laughs> I have to tell you, we all have our thing that we struggle with, right? For me, it's yeah. blogging. Blogging to mm. me is um, – and that's actually kind of funny too because uh, I don't really like to blog. As a matter of fact, I don't like to write. Um, I'm a speaker. I'm a public speaker, right? And so I don't really like to write. Mm-hmm. I have most of my stuff transcribed because it just because I can't write as fast as I think. And so I don't think that um, it's not something I really prefer to do. Although I'm a guest blogger, I write articles, I'm a contributing author in a lot of magazines and stuff, but I have to set aside that time and tell myself, here's the time you're going to do that and whether you want to or not. And I have to be disciplined to make myself do it. But I do have to tell you, if I could um, not blog, um, I would just love it because I really don't like doing it. But, um, you know, we have things we struggle with and we all have things that are easier for us. I just say do more things that are easier for you and have a strategy to make those profitable and then you don't have to spend as much time doing the things you don't like. Yeah. How do you feel about knowing and you're in a position to know about just about every way you can drive traffic with all the new stuff. The I mean just you you keep up on that. It's your business to do so. Uh but then that kind of creates a problem that we didn't have back in the early 2000s which is there's there's a cornucopia of opportunity to get traffic if your only measure and your only metric are, is you know being somewhere where there's a lot of people and getting in front of them how do you hone down where you spend your time where you guest blog where you spend time on social in certain groups you know to cr- try to keep yourself disciplined knowing that you can do a million different things to drive traffic but you have to get a very specific targeted audience's attention how do you manage that well for me i'm very visual and so for me i have this picture right in front of me all the time at my computer and it's of a table you know four-legged table and basically what it does is this my visual is that every time an opportunity comes to the table i have these four legs and each one of them is a pillar in my business now three of them are um pretty much the, really the pillars of my business, the different areas of my business. And the last one is the patty leg, which basically means that it doesn't matter whether it fit in anything else. It just feeds my soul or it's something I want to do. You know, I think that in our business it's important to remember that that's important too, right? And so every time an opportunity comes to the table, I ask myself, does it fit in one of these pillars, these legs, and if it does, then I go forward with it. If it doesn't, I say no. I don't want to hear anything else about it. I know that I am one of those people that can get caught up, so I love that, so I have to kind of hone down on that. And also, once I get the particulars, I send this to my assistant. I think the sooner people can um, start outsourcing some of the things that they um, do or some of the things they don't like to do or they don't do as well, I think that is a huge part of our business. But for me, I just know that I love working with people, and I have to make sure that everything can be leveraged for me. Every single thing I do. That's why I love when you said that word leverage, because for me, my specialty 
in my business is that um, I'm in list building. List building is my specialty. And so I think it's very, very important. And it's not just numbers, right? We all know it's not a numbers game, but yet it is very, very important to think about what are the things that you're doing. Are you doing this because it's going to get you more opportunities? Are you doing this because you want to be on more podcasts? Are you doing this to make more money? Everything always leads back to profitability, of course, but you do have to know why you are doing every single thing you're doing. So the most important thing to me is to know what your why is. Yeah. It really, I mean, because the Internet can just swallow you up. I mean, it is so incredibly busy out there. And then if you're really good at networking, then all of a sudden how do you manage all of these connections that you're making, right? And if you're really good at, at you know, putting ideas in people's heads about how you might work together successfully or or if that's what you're doing the networking for, then if you've done that really well, then you've got a lot of people who have the potential to now get a hold of you on Facebook or email or whatever and say, hey, I had another thought. Now your, your success is your Achilles heel if you don't know how to manage all of that stuff. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. One of the things I always like to say to people all the time is they get so caught up in thinking that social media is the magic bullet, right? And what I always want to say is if you could imagine all the people that you are friends with on Facebook and you're connected with on LinkedIn and they're in your circles on Google+, and they're following you on Twitter, all of those people. So imagine all of those people. And then imagine if all of those people were on your email list. How would that change your bottom line? Because ultimately, we know what Google can do. We know Facebook can close down your page and your account, and you can go to Twitter jail, right? I mean, all of those things can happen. So you don't own those things, right? They own them, but you own your email list. So it's very, very important to do that. But I think that the second part of that really is that you have to have a stick strategy. So it's great that you have a marketing strategy to get people to opt in or subscribe to your list, but what are you going to do to get them to stay? Right? What's the stick strategy to get them to stick around? So I think that is so very important right there. And then I think the third piece is that you need to know who the right people are, and I think that comes down to asking good questions. The better quality the questions the better quality of the answers, and that will always tell you what the next step is. When you run into people who are having a hard time finding that right person, do you think any element of their hesitation is a fear of the niching down of being too specific, especially those who came to you and first described their product or service as something that was great for everyone, like everybody should have this, everybody, if they came with that mindset, do you think fear has anything to do with uh, when you try to get them to niche down to their ideal person? I think fear sometimes has a lot to do with it. Sometimes it's fear of failure. Sometimes it's fear of success. I think both, and I see both of them all the time in my private clients, but I think that sometimes it's because they really don't know because We've all heard that expression that you don't know what you don't know. But in reality, I think sometimes we don't know what we do know. Like when you have been doing it for a long time, you know, people ask you questions, whatever the case may be, you just open your mouth and you speak, right? But when you're Mm -hmm. thinking that you're going to have a speech or you're going to do this, you think, oh, this is my niche, right? And then that's what you want to focus on. But the reality really is that you do know so much more 
the question here is how do you take what you know, right, so here's what you know, and really make it so that other people want it? How do you really take that content? How do you take that content of what you know? And I think that is where the problem is because they just don't know how to ask good questions. You don't know what it is that they want. And a lot of times I think when they go and they niche down too far, it's because they're trying to sell a solution to somebody who doesn't even realize they have the problem yet. Mm. Yeah, and Gina talks a lot about that in our uh, in a lot of our trainings, about the uh, levels of awareness and <laughs> right. who you should be talking to. And we run into people a lot who are – um, really, really excited about something that somebody else should be really excited about in their mind, and they're not at all because they don't know anything about it. They don't know they have the problem that you're trying to solve. <laughs> so that can be really well. Difficult, I think that's right? true. I think that if you think about it, I mean, one of the examples I always like to tell um, people is when you're thinking about it, you may think to yourself, "Oh, you know what? I think I want to get a new car this year." Right? So you're kind of thinking about it, right? Then if you have a lease, though, and your lease is coming up and it's going to be up in, like, six months, you're a little bit more aware that, oh, I'm going to be looking for a car, right? However, if you drive this teeny little sports car and you're pregnant, you know, it kind of becomes a little bit more aware because you're thinking, oh, wow, how am I going to get that car seat in the back seat when I have a baby on the way? So I think there's levels Mm -hmm. of awareness, and so you have to know a lot of times I think, Today, more than ever, I think we wear a lot of hats. The question is, we want to decide what hat we're going to wear, and instead we need to ask better questions, have better conversation, so that they tell us what hat we need to put on. They need to raise their hand and say, this is the hat, and then you can put that hat on. As long as you're trying to say, no, 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 this is the hat I want to wear, that's not always going to work. I think it always comes back to questions, asking good questions. And I have to tell you, From the networking point of view, if the first question you ever ask somebody is the dreaded question, what do you do, you already started out on the wrong foot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, how bland and generic could that possibly be? (laughs) Absolutely. And there's so many better choices, right? Because ultimately, if we know that it's always about continuing the conversation, right? So whether that, you know, however that may be, it's always about continuing that conversation, whether it's on social media, a phone call, whatever the case may be, that's the information that you need to know. So it's very, very important to ask questions that will get you that information so that you know where to take the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and have a plan for for outcomes. We're always thinking from the outcome backwards. If you're if you're doing it right, right? And and uh and then you'll come up with the right questions and you'll come up with the conversation points that need to happen backwards because you know what you want. You know what you want from your clients or customers or whatever and and uh, in in just in generally in networking and if at least you're in control of the conversation from the start it can take on its own thing and become a lot more back and forth and comfortable in my experience but if you don't know what you want and and you say what do you do and you don't have really an agenda or a goal or anything <laughs> that guides that it can be taken over by what that person wants at the time right and it might not match up with anything that you're trying to do and then they're Absolutely. not going to feel any common ground with you because they're they're going to see the dullness in your eyes, like, oh God, I should have I should have asked this question or something. And they well, won't, and it won't be good that, for them either. 
And not only that, but I think that people are so conditioned nowadays that when you ask them what do you do, then a couple things could happen, right? Either they don't know, which that actually tells you something right there, right? They can't answer the question. Or what happens is they start telling you, and then if it's still silent, they keep on talking, and then what will happen is ultimately they will go into a sales mode because they don't have anything else to say. So they don't know where else to go, and they've been so conditioned to do that, that's what they do. Whereas if you have a set of questions, like I have three questions, that if I ask those three questions, that's all I need to know. I could talk to somebody for five minutes. If I get those three questions answered, I can move on. I know everything I need to know. And I think that it's really important. Now, everybody's three questions may not be my three questions, but I just think that if they fine-tune them and they had their questions, then they're not so nervous because they have their questions. They know what to ask. I think that's important. Yeah. So when you are helping a client, um, and you are helping to transform what they're doing, maybe generating more leads and traffic or getting a bigger email list and keeping it all straight and everything, what are the things that you're looking for to help them with that our listeners can go, okay, well, how does that apply to me? How would she work with me? And are these questions questions I should be asking myself about direction and, and keeping everything straight? And you know, what's your transformative process that you start the place that you start with your new clients, people that you work with? For me, the first place I start is, again, is what's their why. Like, why are they doing everything they're doing? Because for me, my mission statement is that I like to help people to design the lifestyle they want to live and then build a business around that, not the other way around. That's how you really use Oh, my God. Gina the just only, got really excited. <laughs> so the only that's really thing that's more important to me than yeah. leverage is lifestyle, right? That's so important. Yeah. It's designing the life you want to have. So that's really, really important to me. Then after we know that, like right, after we get that really, really clear, then we have to decide, you know, what's the goal? Like what is it that they want to do, right? Because we have to really look at that. And then I have a, like for me, I have a, marketing assessment because I really want to know what do they excel at, you know, because we all have things that we're really, really good at, right? And if you really wanted to, you know, like say you wanted to be, you know, Olympian swimmer, but you don't even know how to swim, that's just really not going to work, right? So we have to know mm-hmm. what are the skill sets, right? So I always want to look at those first, what they say. Now, I, I'm sure you could attest to this and so can Gina, what people come to the table with and what they tell you and how it really is, not always the same thing. Not because they're not mm-hmm. being truthful, but because they don't know, right? We don't know what we don't know. And so a lot of times they come to the table and they say, oh, this is what I want and here's what I know how to do. So for me, I'm not really about just having somebody be profitable. I want them to have that lifestyle. And I really want it to be transformational for them and for their clients too. So we really have to look at their why and what, you know, what that is and does it align up. Then we need to look at how many things that they're already doing. That's what you have to look at is what are you already doing and do you even have a process and do you have a funnel? Because a lot of times they don't. Mm -hmm. For example, they may say to me, oh, Patty, I have a book. I wrote a book, and I'm like, okay, and how many have you sold? Oh, about 10. Is it even on your website, and how much do you sell it for? Oh, I sell it for $20. Okay, so what? Do you have any products and service? Oh, yes, I have a service or product. Oh, yes, okay, and they'll tell me about that. How much does that cost? Uh, $2,500. Now, $20, $2,500. I mean, there's a lot of space between $20 and (laughs) $2,500, right? So they don't have a funnel. They don't have, you know, and I think that's what's really important. So I think the best way 
I mean, it doesn't always work. And every business is different, so we have to say that first, right? Every business is different. But I think that one of the things you need to look at if you don't have a funnel is to say what is your, you know, the ultimate thing that you want to help people to transform? What is that? And then when you look at that, you need to say, okay, and how much are you going to charge for that? Okay, so say that's a $5,000 product or service, $5,000. Then the question you need to ask yourself is what would they need to know before that? And then you say, oh, okay, well, before they really needed to know about neuromarketing, they would probably need to know this. Okay, and so how much would that be? (coughs) Excuse me. And so maybe, you know, that is $2,500. Okay, good. What do they need to know before that? Oh, well, they would need to know this. Well, maybe that's nine ninety-seven. <coughs> so you need to go backwards, and you need mm-hmm. to think about how do I lead them to get there. I think that's really important. It's not about making money. Not that being profitable isn't important, but it's really about how can I serve them and give them the most valuable in, a, in an appropriate way that leads them to where they need to go. Yeah. Is it kind of odd when you run into people who, in general, you, at least until you found out later, that you feel like they're your peers or they're, you know, somebody you would assume had certain things in order and then you find out, man, they don't have a back end. They don't have, like you just said, a funnel. And how in the world are you doing what you're doing? And how did I think about what you were doing in such a way, and then and then you don't know these, these, and these things. Do you run into that a lot? Because we, we're finding lots of people that are really, really successful on the front and making a lot of sales. And I'm like, wow, they must be then really killing it on their mid-range to back-end products. And then you talk to them for a while, and you're like, they're missing one or even both of those. Do you find that a lot? Oh, so much. I think that one of the things that I see all the time, and my guess is that you do too, is you see what I like to call leaks, right? You know, it's like they have this bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Here's how they, and then they have all these leaks in it, and they don't always know. And what happens is they're spending their time trying to plug the leaks, and most of that happened because they were putting things together and they really didn't have a system, right? There wasn't a process that they went through. It's so much easier if you have a process, right? First they do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. Now, of course, there are going to be times that things don't always work that way. We get that. But as a general rule, if you have a process, then that would mean that whenever anybody called you or something else came to the table or some new thing came up or they called you on the phone and said, oh, guess what, I had this opportunity and I would like to do that, you could look at their process, right? You could look at the back end and say, okay, well, this is what you're doing. You've got this going on here. You've got this going on here. Okay, that would be great. This would work. And then sometimes it it doesn't, right? Or it doesn't yet, right? Like you look at it and you say, oh, that's really a great idea. But before we do that, we would need to do some other things. I have to tell you the number one thing I see is that people get excited about something. They want to jump on, you know, social media or whatever and just kind of share it and tell everybody, and they think that's what's going to do it. And it's like there was no strategy. I mean, I Mm -hmm. have to tell you, leverage and strategy. You have to have a strategy. And I say all the time, I don't even care. This may be kind of strong and blunt, but to be totally honest, I don't even care how to do something until I know why I should. If there's no reason, if I don't understand the process, what is that going to do? To just do things to do things, I'm way too busy for that. Time is money, and it's very, very important to be aware of your time as well because I see a lot of people who have a lot of activity but not really a lot of productivity, so it's really important. 
I feel I think like a I'm lot of listening people... to myself talking, Jack. I know. I thought you would not be able to hold off chiming in <laughs> sooner or later. Oh, Patty, this is too funny. I always say that when people really understand the why of what it is they need to be doing in business, and especially understand it at a deep level, they can figure out all the how-to stuff on their own. So why should you go out and sell how-to stuff? How-to stuff, they can go out and figure it out for free, usually. So you can't charge Mm -hmm. top dollar for it. If you sell the why and the what, you can get top dollar for it every time. Exactly. We're not in the information business. We're in the transformation business. There you go. Absolutely. It's not bad. You still have mation in there, so it's not like you got rid of the whole word. <laughs> well, you know what? Here's the thing I like to say all the time, too, right? Um, this is kind of a networking phase, I have to tell you, because well, I'm in the space that I'm in. I even speak in tweetables, but here's the thing. The only difference between a contact and a contract is an R, and that R stands for relationships. That is the key. If you actually know how to build relationships with people and you understand that when you first meet somebody and you get that contact, it's about building that relationship, not just trying to sell. We're all in sales. We know that, right? But it really is a serve, not sell model. If you really understand that and can wrap your head around how that really works and you have your back end right and you understand the process, whether it's automated, most Things can be automated, and if you can do that, that's why we're in the people business, right? So there are things that you can do, and if you can get those two things and you have a strong why, what's your reason you're picking up the phone, what's your reason you're doing the things that you do, those things right there, I think if you can get those things down, um, you pretty much are halfway there. Yeah. When I started out, I had no idea how important relationships would be in this business, and uh you know, I think there's really two predominant story. Well, there's one predominant story, and then there's the little-known story. And if somebody's interviewing someone for a magazine or a where are they now on MTV or whatever, how'd you get to be such a big success? One common theme you'll find in most of the conversations is it all changed when I met this person, or when I met my partner, or when I met someone, or, or I met these string of three people. Things really changed for me. The less dominant story by far is where somebody comes on and gets interviewed and they say, how'd you get successful? And they're like, I just put my head down and I just worked in isolation and I, I made all of this happen by myself. I just made all of this happen. I created this whole empire. That's probably a conversation that's actually never taken place. <laughs> and if it has, it's going to be a really rare one. <laughs> right. So that's boring. Okay, next. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, people like, do love to hear the stories because that's what they can relate to. And we all know that it's about building relationships. It is how I have built my business for sure. You know, you just really need to know. And, again, that comes back to questions as well, right, asking better questions. But it's all about the synergy you have with somebody. And I always like to say if it takes the cliche, right, if it takes a village to raise a child, Nowadays, in this business environment, it takes a tribe to build a business. We don't do it by ourselves anymore, and thank goodness. Yeah. Well, why would you? When you're laying in the middle of all of the embarrassing riches that are around us at all times, the ability 
to reach out and communicate with anybody on the planet who's on the web in myriad different ways and in developing a, a relationship quite easily by being of service to them, just helping them out, just doing something really cool and, and, and showing that you have value in being in their lives. And then all of a sudden it develops into a joint venture. It develops into a partnership or something like that. I mean, I'm not really oversimplifying it, am I? It really does happen that way. I was just talking to so-and-so, and then we found we had this common ground, and all of a sudden you've leveraged your way out of thousands of hours of, of typing on social media, out of thousands of hours this year of, of uh, blogging, which you don't like to do, like blog writing. You don't have to do the traffic stuff or the lead generation stuff or the things that you see other people enjoying and doing, if you don't enjoy and do it, then leverage is your way out of all of those problems. Like if you can just get in front, some people will have a plan. They'll be like, they'll hear from somebody and they'll say six to nine months. So start your blog now, start your social media now, start doing a little bit of paid advertising, boost your posts on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. And then 30 minutes later, they're done telling you what all the things you're going to need to do for the next six to nine months before you really have a business that's meeting your minimum goals in sales and everything else. And then I always looked at it, and I know Gina has too, and I know you have too, is like, wait a minute, I could obliterate that six to nine months, all the money and time, all the stuff between here and there, if I can just get on a stage with the people who are already fired up about what I'm going to talk about, who are already all ears. And that's a networking situation, and that's getting on someone else's stage that's already gone through the six to nine months or nine years of building something really big. You don't want to do that, and you don't have to. There's an incredible redundancy on the Internet where everybody comes on and thinks, I have to build my own following first. I have to build my own thing. I have to have my own domain, and I have to do all of these things. And I know other people have written about this stuff. I know other people have done all of the things that I'm about to do. But I'm going to do them in my own special way. I'm not going to take any handouts. I'm not going to go network with people and get on their stage right now in front of their 150,000 people. I'm going to do it myself. It seems to me very the, the epitome of ridiculousness for people to think that way. But you see them doing it all the time, right? Well, they do, and I think that part of that reason is that we think we have to do everything ourselves because the bottom line really honestly is how much – more happy would you be in your business, too, if you're only working your own brilliance. For me, I want to work in my brilliance, and I want to hire other people to work in theirs. So that's getting the details. But then in the creativeness, you can't be good at everything. And so why would you want to go out and have to start from scratch every single thing yourself when you could just leverage the relationships you build so that that way you can together, you both you both succeed. And I and really it's very, very simple. I like to tell people all the time. And I have to tell you, I see people wanting the whole pie for themselves all the time and they don't understand that, you know, that a piece of the pie, right, many times over is more than just one pie. And so I always like to say it's always about serving your client, right? So if even in its most simplistic visual way, think about it this way, if you are an insurance agent, for example, and you are talking to somebody about their car insurance and they're right in front of you, why wouldn't you say to them, 
well, you know, as long as we're talking about your car insurance, why don't we, you know, talk a little bit about your home insurance or your life insurance? They're already there. Well, if you don't sell mm-hmm. life insurance, that's okay. Why are you not collaborating with somebody who does? Because now you can refer them to them, you're serving the client. But guess what? When he's talking to them about life insurance, he's going to be able to say, well, you know, what about your car insurance and your home insurance? And he's going to refer them to you. Either one of you are not doing any more work, but yet look at how much more business you can get by working together. It's so simplistic. People just try to make it harder than it is. Yeah. And everybody forgets it at every level, or everybody has the potential to forget it at every level. So if you think somebody on the surface, on the outside, has everything going on. They appear to just be nailing it and nailing it nailing it in every direction. And then you have a conversation with them. You have to put yourself in a position to get to have a conversation with them. If you're a coach or a consultant, especially, it's your job to find, you know, find out if that's the person that you need to be working on or with or partnering with or whatever, or they might need to be a client. And you would have never thought until you got on the inside, holy cow, you, you need to be a client. Or they need to be a partner, but you just don't know these things until you bring it up and, and, and have that conversation and do something that gets their attention. Because if they're successful at all, they have a lot of things to do. And this is a conversation that's happened about four trillion times, but it's still worth noting because it's hard for some people, I think, to understand how um, like like when I got Gary Vaynerchuk to uh, be on an interview Love with him. me with his first his first book, and uh, I mean that was his first book. He just signed that ten million dollar deal for ten books over ten years. He was he was at the peak. He was leaving the wine thing and he was starting out as a consultant and the book guy and the you know social media guy and all of that. And he came to my interview, which had maybe a total of two thousand listeners, you know. <laughs> And he was, and after he came to my interview, and before he came to my interview, he was on the BBC and he was on CNN. Like I was sandwiched in between the BBC and CNN with Gary Vaynerchuk, who said, "Absolutely, yes, I'll I'll talk to you." And the reason I got that interview is because nobody else on my level even thought to ask. There were very few other people on my level, uh, compared to BBC, CNN, and all the other news outlets, who even thought to ask him because they just, they just figured he'd say no. The thing is, I was really paying close attention to the guy, and I saw him say in a couple different ways, I answer all my emails, and I never say no. If it's a good thing, if you seem responsible and you know how to bring, you know, there's nobody big or small that I won't talk to that I won't get on. I found that because I was really close to his message. I was really close to his content. And a lot of other people just skimmed over it and said, ah, celebrity, can't talk to him. I'm not big enough yet. And it's like, what? So I've been doing that, that all so along. Yeah. You don't ask. The you just walk up to people right? that you, you, you don't just, ask. Yeah, and people are looking at you like, you're not supposed to talk to him. You're not allowed to talk to him. You're not on his level. You can't do that. I'm like, wait, I don't know that. Nobody's ever really actually told me that. So I just well, walk up to him. I don't believe it either. I don't believe it. Yeah. Not ever. Not ever. Right, right. You know, I had uh, John Lee Dumas on my show, and um, – and he actually told me on my show, he's like, I want you to know, Patty, like, I do my, I do other people's shows on this day and this day, and yours is on Wednesday, and I never do it on Wednesday, and I only did it for you, and I did it because you asked, and because you said something to me that really, you know, that really um, touched me, and I wanted to be on your show. He was a, did a phenomenal show. He was a phenomenal guest on my show. And I have to mm-hmm. tell you, um, I really, really love that. But going back to what you were saying about, again, this I keep going back to the questions. I know I do. But 
if you needed to know something about somebody, asking this one question will really help that process. And instead of saying, what do you do if you change that one question? So I hope here's here's their takeaway for your guests. The one question that they should change is instead of saying to people, who do who do you what do you do? They need to say, who do you serve? If you ask somebody who do they serve, it is no longer about them. The question has nothing to do with them. It's about who they serve. And if you listen to the answer to that question, it will tell you almost everything you need to know, and it will give you three calls to action. I have to tell you, everything we do should have a call to action. That is huge. Every single thing you do should have a call to action. So if you say to somebody, so who do you serve, if they don't know, right, if they just sit there, hmm, that's really a good question, that tells you something right there. Okay, there's a really easy call to action right there. If they say to you, okay, here's who I serve, and they start telling you who they serve, then you should be listening because the question you should be asking yourself is, oh, do I serve any of them too? Right? Because if you do, now that totally changes the conversation, right? You know where to go now. You just found out that you have synergy right there. They serve some of the same people you serve. changes the whole conversation. And the third option is if they should tell you who they serve, and you, for whatever reason, this doesn't happen very often, but it can happen, that they'll tell you people they serve and you really don't serve any of them. This is an opportunity for you to serve your network. This is an opportunity for you to be able to say, oh, wow, you know, Gina or Debbie, somebody I know, they've been talking about wanting to, you know, meet such and such. And this is an opportunity for you to either be able to do a referral or an introduction to somebody else. So you're always serving in a way. Sometimes it it will serve you. Sometimes it serves somebody else. It always comes back. But the difference in asking who do you serve versus what do you do changes everything. Yeah. Right, and that's where you really go for the jugular anyway. I mean, we call it the win-win-win, and the first win that you have to develop for, you know, it's like uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, that saying, well, the way to a an influential person, an authority's heart is through their customers, through their who they serve. And if you come to them with a plan that first starts with, you know, I have a really good idea that can make your customers love you even more, <laughs> And that is with you getting on and doing a webinar for them or training or giving them your product for free or doing something, then you've got the first of the three wins because everybody's all ears. If I came to you and said, Patty, I can make you an even bigger rock star than you are already in the eyes of the people that you serve, would you be all ears? Would you at least want to hear what I've got to say? And then you'd say, yeah, (laughs) hopefully. And then they're hooked. And then them, then you work on them. Their win is the middle win, the second win. And that's, you know, who you, you know, you're helping them out by making them a bigger rock star, all that kind of stuff. So their customers love them more. They're making maybe more money if you're doing a joint venture or whatever. And then you're the third win because you went out and served them. You helped uh, those two different parties and you rocked it and you should be able to set up a, 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 something that helps you in in the form of some, you know, recognition for that, you know, or a product recommendation inside that person's, uh, that joint venture partner's uh, site uh, or process. Now you have to go over here and talk to Gina because she does this really, really well, and that's all built into the thing, and they would do something that extraordinary within their own process because you did something so amazing for them on the first two wins. I love that stuff. 
I love that too. And you know, taking that to what we were talking about earlier with networking and with social media too, you know, now we have the new phrase, right? Social selling. That's become the new buzzword, right? But when you think about it, social selling just by definition is the process of developing relationships as part of the sales process. So if that's true, we all know that studies have proven that 60% of a buying decision is made before a salesperson is even in the conversation. So now we know that in today's business environment where we are now, we have to be able to position ourselves right, as that authority, as that industry expert, so that we can identify who the real decision makers are, what's important to them, and what they actually need in order to influence their purchasing decision before your competition does. I mean, that's really what it comes down to right now. And we have more tools right now at our disposal if we use them effectively than we have ever had before. That is where social media can help you if you do it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it kills us sometimes when we give labels to things, right? Because then we start assigning our own meaning to that and we start getting a little bit worked up about it, like too worked up, (laughs) you know? Like Absolutely. social selling. Oh, God, what does that mean? And here, if I can't find a definition, I'll start making up my own definition. Now I'm going to freeze up and get really nervous about it. And then be somebody, everybody's seen it, somebody who's painfully self-aware of, the, of what they're doing um, on social media. And they just look uncomfortable. By their status update, the words that they use and what they're talking about, it all looks jilted, stilted, uncomfortable, Just and you feel bad for them because it's like, oh, they think they're doing something harder or they're making something harder than it actually is, and you just want to reach out and help them. I mean, you know, anybody could do that who's in the business, and, and a lot of people do and go, you know, I could help you with that. <laughs> but it's very, very Absolutely. easy to see. There's tracers, there's markers of that kind of thing, and, and just calming people down about this kind of stuff is is almost step one. Just calm down. This is not a big deal. (laughs) Well, I think it always comes back to the conversations we have. And the other thing is a lot of times we hear people go, oh, well, I'm in B2B, right? I'm business to business or I'm B2C, I'm business to consumer. The reality really is you're P2P. You're in the people business. I tell people all the time when I'm talking on the stage, I say, well, look to your right and look to your left. Are you next to a B or are you sitting next to a C? No, you're sitting next to a person. So start thinking of it that way. This is the relationship business. Have a conversation. Listen to what people are saying. Talk to people and stop thinking about selling and all this other kind of stuff. Build a relationship with people. That's how business has been done from the beginning of time, always will be, right? And it's just talk. I mean, listen is so even more important than talking, right? Really, really listen to what people say. Again, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. You can't really give somebody a solution or even offer a solution if you don't be quiet long enough to listen to them tell you what their problem is. And so many people do that. So many people don't listen. And we've all been on the other end of that where you can tell you're not being listened to. And if that's what's happening to the majority of people the majority of the time, think about the effect it has when somebody actually responds to something that you actually said and tells you by the, by the doing of that, they're actually listening to you. <laughs> it's an uncommon thing. It really is. And it's, um, I think it's, we, like you said earlier, we forget what we know. And, and you and I and Gina probably, this would be one of the things that we would tend to, lose track of 
it's something we do naturally. When you are engaging with someone, we know what engagement means. Other people who haven't really engaged people a lot or network with people a lot don't. And I always forget that it's really natural to, if you really want to engage with somebody, you've got to listen to them, you've got to respond to them, you've got to you know, be on their level and, and be in the room with them and be present. And I think that we do that naturally. People like us do that naturally. And other people who haven't yet will listen to everything that we said today. If we didn't say this part, then they would go, I don't understand what I'm get, not getting. Patty does this so effortlessly. She's doing all of this stuff. She's made it sound so easy, but I'm not getting it. And it could be that you're just not listening enough, that you're too worked up and uh, about what you're going well, to say. Like at the beginning, you, you talked about the questions, right? And you've got to have all this stuff in your head now, at least if somebody's freaking out about it, which you shouldn't be. But if you are, now you're thinking, okay, when I approach somebody, I'm going to pounce on them, and I'm going to ask all these questions, and then you're in danger at that moment of not being a good listener, right? Oh, for sure. I think that is absolutely true. But I think also when – we think about it if you think back on when you've been in any type of networking you know networking situation right i think that we can all pull up you know pull up a memory of somebody that you were having a conversation with that they weren't listening you could clearly tell that what they were really doing was just waiting for you to pause so they could talk they weren't listening to anything you said they were just waiting for you to pause and i think it's really important to make sure that we never do that right really, really think about what somebody is saying and how we can really serve them. I come back to the serving a lot, but I do see people all the time. I can so totally tell from across the room sometimes when we are really listening to somebody, we kind of are leaning in a little bit. We're really listening to what they say, and people really, really can tell the difference. They know when you're listening to them and when you're not. Yeah. Right. It's it's a... It's, it's something that people can do when they're not in the process of being aware of what they need to do. They have an agenda. They don't have an agenda or anything like that. Then they do things naturally that are really kind of neat, and, and they can tell. We can all tell when some something's not right with a conversation, when something's – so when you're I, – I like to tell people when you're learning something and an expert says you have to do this or you should do this or what you need to do is this, that you take that – not with a grain of salt, but you take it for what it really means. It's like you should do those things, but don't get worked up about it so much that exactly. you seem mechanical, you seem anxious, you seem, or or even the worst is is pushy. Because if that's not what most people want to be anyway, we don't. Most people don't like to sell, and they don't want to be seen as a pushy salesperson. But when you're learning stuff, you you become so aware of the things, and you don't have any muscle memory because you're learning it. You haven't done it before, so you have to be really, really careful about it. Like, you know, and in that carefulness, you have to practice. It's just really, really good to always keep in mind to just lay back, just chill out. Just, it's all good. And there really isn't anybody in the world that you should be talking to that can't handle you just, or you can't handle talking to anybody. I mean, it's just. You know, I think a lot of people just get worked up. Oh, that is so true. And you can kind of tell, too. I know a lot of times I like to look back and think of conversations that I've had where, really, honestly, you can have a conversation almost 
about anything. My husband, he loves to joke around and say that, you know, when we're out in a restaurant or we're somewhere and I say, oh, honey, I'm going to the restroom, I'll be right back. He says, you know what, um, it used to be that if you weren't back in 10 minutes, I'd start, you know, wondering where you were. He's like, now you could be gone like a half an hour. And I know that means that you just, you know, met somebody in the bathroom and you're having a conversation. And I don't know about Gina, but I can't tell you in my life how many conversations that sometimes even led to sales later on but started over conversations that started out with, I really love those shoes, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know I've had conversations where they say, oh, I really love those shoes, and then you just start a conversation. So really it isn't about having all these pat you know, questions and stuff like that. It's really about just having a conversation, although I will tell you that when somebody, I have women sometimes say to me, oh, you know, I'm really shy. You know, I really don't do well in these, you know, situations and stuff, can you give me a tip or two? And one of the tips I will tell them is that you can make yourself be more approachable. And one of the ways you can do that, men can do it with a tie, right? Women can do it with shoes or some type of a statement necklace. So if you're kind of shy, it's really easy to just do something so that people can come up to you and give them the opening by, oh, I love that necklace, uh, you know, those are really cute shoes. Give them an opportunity. The conversation will start there. It will continue naturally, you know, and stuff that would just do something to, you know, give somebody an opening to be able to have a conversation with you. And I'm going to tell you, shoes, necklaces, ties, all those things do work. Oh, yeah. You know, we had a... a Speaking of it being really, really supernatural and not supernatural, don't freak out about that, but super space natural, <laughs> is my wife was in a, uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, visiting family not too long ago, and she was at the pool. And we don't know any, she doesn't know anybody there anymore, so we haven't, she hasn't lived there for well over 20 years. And so there was a, and then this woman she was talking to probably was from somewhere else, they were at a hotel. So, uh, but they start talking and, and just, really, really naturally got into what do you do kind of things where they were indicating, you know, and she <laughs> found out the woman has a website and she has a business and all this stuff and they became best friends. She described it as she was the awesomest person. We were just, we just got, we hit it off and like it was just minutes for that to happen. And she wasn't even looking for trouble. She wasn't looking to make any connections for the business or possible exactly. client or possible joint venture. And and that's what that's the epitome I think of what we're trying to get at is that if you let things be really natural if you can if you can do that as much as possible sometimes you're nervous because of the person you're getting ready to talk to and there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing usually you can do about that it's just you're going to be nervous until they put you at ease that they're normal people and you know it's all cool and it's all good and then you quickly but sometimes it's a really good example of any conversation that you've had that's so naturally just rolls right out and it's like, oh, wow, well, this is really cool. So it can start with shoes or ties or just being at the pool. It can start with anything. You know, I have to tell you, um, I have a lot of children. <laughs> I have six daughters, and so I have a lot of children. And so people, when they find that out about me, they're like, oh, my goodness, like that's a conversation starter. But one of the things that has really um, – started conversation for me is a couple years ago when I got a puppy. And all of a sudden, I have to tell you, there are so many people who have pets. Oh, people will talk for hours. People love to talk about their animals, right? I'm going to tell you, if I say anything on social media and I say Cooper and Carly, 
love this or Cooper and Carly love that or whatever, oh, you would not believe how much my engagement goes up because people love animals, people love kids and stuff like that. So I think that you can tie your business in with your life. That's where the lifestyle happens, right? I mean, we all have a life. We don't do what we do for no reason. We have a life. Share that part of your life, too. People want to know. Now, this doesn't mean we need to all take pictures of everything we eat for dinner and, you know, kind of how social media started in the beginning, right? But in reality, mm-hmm. we do want to know. We, we want to know that you're a person. People do business with people, right? And you're a person, and so are they. So I think it is really important to not always have to be about business, 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 too. Remember, they're a person, and so are you, and it's okay. Yeah, that conversation. it bears repeating. It couldn't be the first time that anybody's ever heard some of this stuff, but it is kind of funny that um, I follow people like Jason Moffat and um, Lynn Terry and people who do a very good job of incorporating and balancing life with with, with uh, business updates and, and things like that on their social media. And Jason came on one time and said, would anybody like to know – how I generate such and such from social media. And he does it in front of us every day. And if we weren't paying attention, we wouldn't have been there to see the question that he just posted, which was, would you guys like to see how I do all of this stuff? And he realized that a lot of people weren't getting it. They were reading it and they were part of it, like they were in the matrix or something, because he demonstrated exactly how he does what he does. He's extraordinarily personable, and sometimes he gets extremely – he, you know, he, he lets us into his life in a way that you feel uncomfortable a little bit, like, but that's his choice, right? And people respect him for that, and they respond to his stuff. But he realized that just being that way isn't teaching anybody anything. So he made a course out of it. And I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that redundant? But then it dawned on me that people aren't paying attention in that way. They're being consumers of that information, and they're not, uh, they're not uh, you know, paying attention to exactly what he's doing or what somebody like Lynn Terry is doing. And you can actually make a course out of something that's totally free for you to see. <laughs> I thought that was really Absolutely. wild, and that really made me think, well, that's probably why people it takes them a little minute to get this stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So... In our closing moments here, would you like to tell anybody anything in particular about how they can network better? Or would you like to give a synopsis of what we've talked about of the most important things you think that people should relax about or know about or uh, just to improve their networking in any way? Well, improve your questions, right? So that will improve the quality Mm -hmm. of your conversations. But I think if they just remember this one thing, this one thing is what I always work on all the time, which is strive to be a people connector and not a business card collector. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I thought I was networking. I came home with a stack of business cards, and I was like, now what? Oh, we didn't even go there. I, I know it. I love it. But, yes, I do really think that if you strive to be a people connector and not a business card collector, that in itself is so very, very important. It's all about people, Pattyfarmer.com. Right? Pattyfarmer.com, absolutely. Everybody go check nice her out. And I'm going to turn it back over to Gina for closing remarks. Thank you, Patty. Oh, Patty. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. We definitely Thank have you. to have a conversation offline, just the two of us, 
There is love so that. much synergy between what you do and what we do, and our languaging of it in many instances is even similar. And I don't know if you've ever met anyone that is similar to you, but I haven't met anybody similar to me. So I've been sitting here going, wow, almost the entire last hour. Love that. Thank you. I would love to have a conversation. That would be fabulous. And it was so great to be on your show. What a great show. You guys really, I love the interaction between you both. You guys, just really great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Patty. And everyone will be back same time, same place next week. But before we get there, please remember to go to pattyfarmer.com. Thanks again, Patty. See you all next week. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.